This episode of Popcorn Poops is brought to you by Audible.com. Please visit audibletrial.com slash popcornpoops for a 30-day trial of their audiobook subscription service. When you sign up, you'll even receive a free audiobook that's yours to keep whether or not you continue with Audible after your trial has expired. That's audibletrial.com slash popcornpoops for your free audiobook. We are the Popcorn Poops. Welcome to Popcorn Poops, the best married couple movie podcast slash commentary track hybrid audio program on the internet. My name is Jessica, and with me, as always, is my husband, Dustin. Hi there. How you doing, Dustin? Doing very well today, this fine uh, Saturday afternoon, which is certainly not a Tuesday. We've been super late we, many weeks we, in a row. We've been uh, we've been straight assholes about this podcast. <laughs> and uh, But kind of the whole semester. And like I mean, this... Being t- real. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's been a... It's been a rough, we've said this before, it's been a rough semester for you. You've been very busy and work has picked up this, um, this season. I say season for me because we're working on a television show and it's going to wrap up in May. So things are about to get a lot easier. Hopefully this summer we can get our podcast on schedule. But I mean, we've said it before and we'll say it again. Sorry about this, uh, I guess this, this past since January, really (laughs) (laughs) these, sorry for this, uh, four months. (laughs) Yeah. This summer should be good though. I'm transitioning to a job where I'm, uh, I'll be teaching college just one class, but otherwise I'll be freelancing all summer. So, um, which is great. Congratulations. Thank you. That's uh, that's good to hear, and uh, I won't be working on a TV show this summer, so hopefully things will relax and go into pre-production on uh, probably a documentary I'm going to be working on for work, um, and that'll be uh, a lot less stressful, and podcast can can be prioritized again, but. But we haven't, we haven't missed any, so that's... I mean, no, no that, we haven't, that's yeah. Good. I that's mean, good. well, if you count being a week late, not missing <laughs> As always, you can find us on our website at popcornpoops.com. You can follow us on Twitter at popcornpoops or individually. I'm at Kramer. I'm at Dusty Cram Cram. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher, and also we have our online merchandise shop where you can purchase popcorn poops... Uh, paraphernalia. Paraphernalia. Because alliteration. Yeah. Popcorn poops paraphernalia to show your poop pride as a poopling. Man. It's getting better all the or time. Or if you would rather just give um, cash to strangers, then there is a it's donut bu- donate a donut button. A donut button. <laughs> if you want to give cash to us, we have a donut button. That 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 seems like it doesn't make any sense, but uh, it's an inside joke. Don't worry about it. Just there's push, not a donut button. Just push the donut button on our website, and it'll send a, us a donut. There's a donate button. Ah. Uh, that you can give us cash at if you push it. Yes. So every month we do a different theme, and this month... What's our theme? April has been hashtag 1987. Why? Month. Because it was my birthday. It it was your happy birthday. It was my happy birthday on April 14th. Um, I turned 29 for the first time. For the first time. (laughs) And so in celebration this month, we have been watching all movies from 1987. It was a good year for movies. It was a really good 1987 year 1987 was, was a good yeah, year. It was, it was pretty tough to pick the four that we picked, but I think that we got some good ones. And there were many others that I really wanted to do, but the two that I picked were, man... Getting right to it this week, what we are watching is Tibor Takak's 1987 film, The Gate. The Gate. Which is 
one of my all-time favorite movies. If you were going to sync the movie with us, pause as soon as the title card reading New Century Entertainment Corporation Presents completely fades to black. And while you are finding the sync spot, I just I just want to I just want to note that the sync spot when it fades to black, it's pretty quick before the next uh, the next title card pops up. If you don't get it exactly, it's fine. Just like as soon as you see it fade out, just pause, you'll, you'll be fine. The next one's gonna pop up, and if you're watching it on like Blu-ray or DVD or anything that has like even a half a second loading time or like buffer time or anything like that, or even on VHS where like the gears have to, <laughs> to like warm up and shit like that, you're probably not gonna pause it exactly. So yeah, that, I, that's what I, that was my experience when I was trying to get it to pause exactly at that spot to test it, and so don't get frustrated. You'll be fine just so any, just do your best anywhere friends. around there yeah while you are finding that hard to find sync spot dustin is going to read you a review from where from itunes this is a five-star review oh, i like uh, five-star reviews it comes from a uh, ginkgo senpai oh it, it turns out ginkgo senpai has noticed us and uh, this person writes great podcast that's the subject line and the body of the review is happy birthday jessica <gasps> wow well son of a bitch thanks we did we did have a, a kind of a, a call to action on social media wish Jessica a happy birthday with a uh, five-star review or any kind of review I could have been a one-star <laughs> one-star <laughs> review happy birthday bitch <laughs> that would have been uh, that, that would have been, been pretty, a sad birthday been present a, yeah, sad birthday Jessica uh, but, but we, this was a happy birthday this was a present. happy birthday thank you Ginkgo Senpai we really appreciate it if you want to leave us a rating and review on iTunes well that's the thing that you can do and we encourage honesty but we also like five stars so mm-hmm, yeah keep that in your especially mind especially for my birthday well, yeah, that that would have been pretty funny, though. <laughs> I have to say. So, uh, I think it's time to start the movie. I would agree. Sinkers, press play at the beep after the countdown. Ready? Three, two, one. And we're off with the gate. Gonna zoom at us here in a second. The title just there goes boom. The gate. The gate. The gate. A surprisingly metal movie. If you're it into is. metal, it is surprisingly metal. There's, uh, there's some, some. <laughs> they, they do manage to tie like demonology and rock and roll together in a, in a kind of satisfying way in mm-hmm. this movie. Yeah. Um, which is something that I, I think a, a lot of rockers appreciate because mm-hmm. that's something that they have really been going for since like the, you know the birth of metal, really. Right? Yeah. So uh, this movie kind of takes that and runs with it, and I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I really do. So of course I know my history with this movie but what is yours i don't know if i know yours when you first saw this you know i don't know when i first saw this actually it's it's um it's weird because when i was a kid i remember like knowing about this movie and maybe having seen bits and pieces of it on like tbs or you know when it came on tv or something like that so i was aware of it but i don't think i knew the title of the movie for a long time Mm. um it was kind of I, there was another movie like that for me, Return of the Living Dead, uh, mm-hmm. which was a very very early uh, fo- even formative experience for me as a kid, uh, seeing uh, Linnea Quigley dancing naked through the graveyard. <laughs> I remember when that, you didn't know the title. I have been with you long enough that yeah, I remember when you yeah. didn't know the title of that movie. One of my one of my good friends, Josh, um, he I, I mentioned that to him as as like one of my earliest memories in childhood. It was like I had this this VHS tape where someone you know one of my family members 
years had taped uh, uh, Beetlejuice off of like HBO for me and they caught like the first 20 minutes or the first 15 or 20 minutes of Return of the Living Dead at the end of it but I of course I didn't tell him this I was just like my, my tape of, of Beetlejuice when I was a kid had this weird movie at the end where this woman is like uh, dancing naked through a graveyard and the only other thing I could remember was there was like a, a dog that was like cut in half mm-hmm. uh, like dissected in mm-hmm. half and mounted and it came to life and started barking and running and he was like oh dude that's Return of the Living Dead and I was like get the fuck out of here it wasn't until like my freshman year of college that I figured that out I mean mine was even longer than that though where mine was the the one that I could never figure out was the pizza face right um, in and a horror movie stabbing the pizza face and stuffing it down the drain mm-hmm. and and I remembered that from childhood just a clip of something my parents must have been watching that haunted me uh, through through my life and then finally we finally found it and it was um, House 4 House 4 yeah that's mm-hmm. right I was I was trying to think if it was House 4 or Tales from the Dark Side but it no, is House 4 no it's House 4 yeah um so I think everyone has that. This was that for me as well. Like the gate was, I had like images in my mind, photographs, if you will, of things that happen in the movie, like the eyeball, the in, the eyeball hand, in the right? hand. Yeah. Everybody oh, remembers definitely. that. The eyeball in the hand and stabbing the eyeball, um, uh, in his hand. But I, in my mind as a kid, I always conflated him stabbing Terry in the movie with the Barbie doll <gasps> with the, in the eyeball. Eye. And so like, so was... in my mind, it was that he stabbed the eyeball in his hand with the Barbie leg, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's not what he does. He actually does it with glass. Um, and I think that's something that everyone shares. And if, if you're listening to this and there's a movie from your childhood that it took you years to figure out what that movie was, but the images from the movie were so strong mm-hmm. in your mind, we want to hear about that. And maybe you still haven't figured it out and we can maybe help you yeah it true out because that that moment of of revelation of learning what it is that you've has, that has stuck with you for so mm-hmm. long and then you're like this is it now you can watch it you know with an adult mind and kind of rediscover it that was I mean for for me the rediscovering return of the living dead was and it was a revelation because I love that fucking movie now house four was a disappointment yeah yeah it was it was it, was, it, was. it commits the greatest sin of all horror movies which is that it's boring mostly yeah the pizza part's kind of the best part yeah. of the movie yeah just because it's so weird just not a lot like there's some weird stuff in it but just sure, not a lot sure. happens so yeah um but anyways though yeah with this movie with the gate coming back to this for me um uh, I don't know. I must have seen parts of it when I was pretty young. Um, it probably wasn't till like high school though that I I figured out what that what this movie was, and I oh, sat okay. down and watched it. I think Connor and I, my brother, I think we watched he's, it together. He's been on the podcast twice now, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think we watched it together sometime when I was in high school, and. And I just fell in love with, like, whatever memories I had had from seeing bits of it as a child just came back, and I just fell in love with this movie. And ever since then, it's just one of those movies that I go back to. I just think it is so over the top and kind of fucked up for a kid's it movie. It is. It's dark, and it fucking goes there in places. Mm-hmm. And, as, and and we'll get into it a little bit. But uh, as I understand it, the script was even darker. Like, yeah, it even, that's what I heard, it, too. It, it went farther there. It went the distance. Yeah. It went there and then beyond. And so and so I love this movie for that. I love that there are moments in this movie where I'm like, oh, God, is that, should we be do, showing th- that's okay? Right, right. Like all the stuff Man, with the dead the, dog. The dead dog fucks me Man. up. So, so there's some stuff in this that's pretty 
And like I know 80s horror movies with kids and just 80s movies with kids in general. Um, there's always a lot that, of cursing. Yeah, and, and there's always that questionable content where it's like, okay, this is a PG-13 movie, but it very much feels like a kid's movie. Oh, what's the one we were watching where the little girl and... Oh, Monster Squad. Yeah. Where Dracula picks up the little girl and scream, calls her a bitch. Right? Says, and you're just like, I think he oh. says, shut up, you bitch. And you're like, Did we, maybe like, a, step, a step too far. That's a, step a step strong word for a four-year-old. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, movies back in the day, they I think sometimes they they that line between four adults and four kids wasn't drawn as as distinctly perhaps as distinctly as it as it kind of became in the 90s yeah I think. Mm-hmm. and i think that that line is getting blurred again but in a more thoughtful way these right, days yeah. because now we have movies that are real uh, children's movies these days um the good ones are very very thematically rich and very right, yeah. very much not children's movies anymore yeah. they're they're family movies mm-hmm. they're, pe- they're they can be enjoyed by people of all ages and like that's inside really out true. or something like that well, exactly and i think i think pixar, pixar has kind of right. um um spearheaded that uh in a in a big way um but yeah let's Let's get into the yeah, movie. We, we've, missed we've missed some missed stuff. So much stuff. Um, so there was a song right at the beginning. Uh, no pleasure. I always remember this movie starting off more like Poltergeist, like more. Oh, it's going for that ET Poltergeist, and we talked about this a lot in the Polter our Poltergeist episode. But it's really going for that coming of age suburbia warmth. I feel like it's a mm-hmm. there's a warmth mm-hmm. to, to that but, kind of feeling. But the thing that makes this stand apart from say. Um, perhaps other Toby Cooper movies that try to be like let's just say let's just call them like we see them Steven Spielberg movies Um, perhaps other movies that try to do that the reason why it's okay that this one does that and that it sort of stands out on its own is that it's kind of fucked up like it takes that you know it's a story about kids and spooky things that and it turns it into like except it's really fucked up actually and we're gonna have kids stab themselves in the hand and do all sorts of crazy shit um, you did mention the song at the beginning, which was No Pleasure by Ava Everything. If, yes. If you remember Ava Everything, congratulations, you're over 30. Uh, known for singles such as Boob Tube, Painless, and Polyester Passion. Wow. How about that? How how about that? A lot of Canadian musicians and stuff in this movie. This was made in Canada. So that's why. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say really about... Good, they get really good tax breaks up there for making movies. That's why Cronenberg makes all of his movies up there. What I was going to say about the opening is that I always forget that dream sequence at the beginning. And, it, and man, with the tree and stuff, it makes it feel so poltergeisty, you know? The tree house and that tree. Yeah. Well, I mean, you start with the tree, which is this gnarly looking big ass tree, which is very much calling back to that poltergeist imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, the tree house in the tree looks like it was actually built by a 10 year old. So suitable for precisely no one to play in. <laughs> it looked like a hot mess. And I love these kind of movies where it's that colorful creepy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it has a like, color palette. Like, it's, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's not just blue. I or, mean, even look yeah. at this scene. Look at the table with all the stuff on it. It looks like a playhouse. It's pretty. It's colorful. Things are uh, there are items that you can you can pick those, out those, and like goldenrod cabinets behind her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it turns the that happiness that and that familiarity that's associated with these almost playhouse kind of sets 
into something very dark and scary and and that's the the thing that I love about movies like this well that's I mean I think we and we've talked about it on the show before one of the things that we feel great horror movies do is they take things that are familiar and comfortable and they make them scary and uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and if you can do that um kind of Holistically, like with an entire, you know, with a with a more complete approach, and you take a home, the home itself. If if you want to call this a haunted house movie, which it's not, it's like a demon kind of cult. Yeah, it's a summoning a demon movie. It's yeah, it's a demon movie. It's an occult movie. It's also a little creatures movie, mm-hmm. which were a very very popular in the eighties. So it's a few different like horror subgenres mixed together. But its setting is this house, and they want to take this house that is a comfort comfort zone. It's a it's a safe space and make it not safe anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the popular thing to do with haunted house movies now is that they don't establish that the house is a comfortable safe space. Like they they set out from the beginning, this house is scary. Yeah. Even with movies that we've done on the show that we like, like The Orphanage. Mhm. The Orphanage is a great movie, but they never established that that house is a comfortable, safe place for those people. It's old and creaky and creepy and cold and... I don't know. Like, and I, I know you don't as much, but I still have a great love for movies like that. I have a great I love for for the gothic. I like Southern Gothic Victor- too. I like Victorian, Victorian. ghost story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I like slow British ghost stories. I know, I know you, you don't, don't I but don't. but I do. <laughs> I, do I like not to care I like them. to go to sleep to them. To be completely honest. Well, I mean, then so do I. Even <laughs> even if that's not the goal, I, I also like to just watch them. Um, uh, I like to read old uh, British ghost stories too, um, but but I more so though I I think I prefer this kind of scary story, this kind of uh, horror movie where it it may be like my favorite subgenre of horror movie, and it's kind of hard to even pick out exactly what it is. But like Critters falls in this category, and The Gate falls in this category, and Poltergeist, where it's like it's. It's a very colorful kind of family-oriented sort of horror movie. Sure. Um, suburban horror. Suburban horror. It's just so fun, especially yeah. when they go too far. <laughs> suburban horror. That's a real thing. I don't, I don't know why I haven't thought about that before, but suburban horror maybe perhaps was born um, with Halloween. Maybe. Okay. But Halloween isn't quite the right aesthetic that I'm looking for either. I know. I know. But I, I, yeah, I know what you mean. But anyway. Anyways. Um, so, so we're here and we've got this recurring, uh, thing that's going on where he's got this jar of moths that he, he has. He is this young boy named Glenn, played by baby Steven Dorf. Little baby Steven Dorf. Just a little, he's just a little nugget. Uh, this was his first role. Um, I assume because they couldn't get Henry Thomas. I, I, I'm just assuming that, but he does. Henry Thomas. Uh, he played Elliot in oh, E.T. Okay. Um, and, th- and again, this is very much kind of cribbing that, that you know, feeling of suburban, kind of California, kind of California-esque. Um, but yeah, so we've got Stephen Dorff here in his very first role. But but I read I found an interview with uh, Tibor Takox and um, I'm trying to find the part that I want to talk about. Um, 
where he was talking about working with the kids and and he was saying how fantastic all of these child actors were and that basically none of them had had a lot of experience some of them had had no experience at all and because of that they hadn't and, picked uh, up any bad habits yet as and, he said it and very little sense in very little sense. Actually, um, Stephen Dorff, and this should tell you uh, a lot about the the career trajectories of basically everyone in this movie. Uh, Stephen Dorff is probably the most successful person that's in this movie. Is that the, the kid, Glenn, yeah. the main character? And do you have any idea who he is? No. Mm-mm. He was the bad guy in Blade. <laughs> So, I mean, he's been in stuff. He's been in stuff. Like he's, you know, I I like him as an actor. He hasn't. I just haven't. I simply haven't seen him. I think he's him. good in this. I yeah. think I I think all the kids do a good job in this. I don't I, think any of them stand out as as bad. I simply haven't seen him in enough stuff to really have a strong opinion one way or another about him. But I mean, even on IMDb, the number one thing he's known for as is as the bad guy in Blade. But so. I'm talking about them in this movie as kids. I think. Oh gosh, this scene where where Terry Terry is his neighbor friend, the kid who is his neighbor who's into metal, played by Lewis Tripp. Um, and and uh, he's come over to crack open the rocks that they found in the hole, which happened because the treehouse tree fell over during yes. the storm. And they find a thunder egg or a G. Have you ever heard it I'm, called I'm gonna, a thunder egg? I'm going to talk about that. I did some research and I'm going to talk okay, about it in okay. a second. Um, Glad somebody did some research. Yeah. Well, you know, one of us has to be an adult here. Um, oh, Jesus. So... Well, also, I have to make up for the fact that I don't know any, <laughs> anything about actors or directors, and I do a movie well, podcast. But you know so. about Thunder Eggs now, so now um, you're, you're learnt. Uh, what I was going to say is that, oh, this scene where the older sister's having the party while the parents are away, and then the two, the little brother and his neighbor friend are upstairs, it reminds me of that episode of Freaks and Geeks yes. where essentially the same thing happened. Pretty much. The one where Bill gets drunk drinking beer out of a little plastic baseball helmet while, while watching, watching Dallas. Dallas, like alone. <laughs> yeah. so fucking awesome. But it reminds me of that scene. Um isn't there even a dog in it, or am I just mixing it now? Because I can't remember. Because I have decided these are the same. Scene. I can't remember. Anyway, so um, one thing I know we've missed so much already, but when that when he has the dream of the treehouse falling over with him inside it, and then wakes up and the treehouse has fallen over. Oh my God! Don't you have d- dreams where that shit happens? Like where something in the real world is happening, and you dream about it happening in like a more fucked up way or something, and then sort of wake up and it's happened. Mm. Like you hear a sound or something and it hap- it it finds a way to be a uh, part of your dream. The only thing that I can even re- kind of relate that to is probably the weirdest thing. And I think I may have talked about this on the show before. The weirdest thing that's ever happened say, to me. Huh? I, I mean, I've heard this story a thousand times. Yeah, it, the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me was I was asleep and in my dream I heard something above my head and I, I woke up and I was holding this heavy uh, wooden beam that was holding up my curtains. The, my curtain rods, my curtains were like right above my head because my bed was up against like a window. Uh, and this was in my bedroom in the house that I grew up in. Uh, and I was probably 14 or 15 years old, something like that. And I woke up and my arm was like outstretched in front of me and I was holding up this heavy wooden beam that was holding up my my curtains because it had fallen and I caught it in my sleep. 
And I just threw it on the ground and rolled over and went back to sleep like nothing had happened. I I have def- what I was thinking of more though is like when something is noisy outside in like the non-dream real world and somehow that becomes a part of the dream that I'm having either if it's people talking or mm. something that's on TV or or whatever that happens to me sometimes and that's what happened to him so I related to that. Okay. Um anyways, so the parents have left and the kids the older sister, oh, what's her name? Al. Al. Al because her brother, everyone in Alexandria. the movie. Alexandria. Everyone in the movie calls her Al. But when, when her brother calls her Al, she says, my name is Alexandria. And and it's that's, of course, tying. I I don't think this movie is dumb. I think this movie is. Oh, no, I don't think is, so either. This movie has it, fucking characters. It has characters. Like real it has, characters. It has a thoughtful plot. It has themes that stay consistent throughout the entire movie. And one of the major themes is the idea of, you know, the older sibling growing up and the younger sibling feeling left behind. And that's right from the get-go with the treehouse falling and finding the doll in the treehouse and all of that stuff. Yeah. Like, all of that is right there from the beginning. Um, and it's just interlaid uh, throughout throughout the entire film. Um, I don't know what it exactly has to do with finding demons, but that, I mean, whatever. Like, that's <laughs> summoning demons and your sister's getting too old to play. What? I mean, I guess there's... I mean, it's not a perfect movie. But um, but it's fine that that's there. Um, but what I'm saying is that they put thought into into the story around the summoning demon story, and I'm sure you could draw some pretentious comparison to like say why summoning demons has to do with your sister getting too old to play. Yeah. But like even the rocket and stuff, he's into shooting off rockets with his sister, and she yeah. apparently was into it too because they were her rockets. Mm-hmm. Um, and now she doesn't care, and she's throwing them away, and he's really upset about it. But like she's secretly bought him one, and he's secretly bought her something to uh, like an igniter, and that's what saves them at the end of the movie. So, so they tie all of it together really well. Yeah, I think so. Um, but so the sisters having a party. Mom and Dad, of course, said don't have a party, and they have yeah, a party. Yeah, and they've had to leave suddenly for some reason, and they couldn't get a a sitter. A couldn't get a sitter, and the you know the little you know the sisters like I'm 15. I'm, I'm two weeks until my 16th birthday, which they come back to. They manage mm-hmm. to tie that into the rest the of the birthday. Story. Yeah, yeah. There's which, randomly the I mean, present in the movie, and you're like, why is there a present? Oh wait, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it actually they they actually managed to tie that back into the movie, but it seems perfectly natural in the dialogue when she's like, I'm going to be 16 in two weeks. I'm old enough to take care of my little brother. Just go. It's fine. So they leave suddenly. And and just... It's good dialogue writing, guys. You got subtle is, information in there about multiple things. And just for your information, just for the record, if mom and dad have to leave suddenly without explanation, and they don't explain where they're going in this movie, you can almost guarantee that they're either going to talk to their lawyers about a divorce you don't know about, <laughs> or... They're going to some weird sex retreat with a bunch of other sad couples. Why suddenly? So just children. Wouldn't they, wouldn't they plan that out, like <laughs> schedule it into their into their work week? Like. And on Wednesday, it's butt stuff night. <laughs> um, we've got the leather convention next Saturday. Don't forget <laughs> the leather convention. <laughs> Don't forget the anal beads. Uh, they they did have a seance though, which is like. The one, I don't know, Not a, my biggest problem with this movie is not enough happens fast enough. It kind of takes 
it really takes more but than half the movie for anything I agree. to fucking happen. I agree. I agree. But it's not like they're using that time, uh, you know, in a boring, stupid way. They're building character. They're, they're building, building character. They're building character. But I also feel like at, at a certain point, they're kind of beating a dead horse. No, it's like I agree. We get these characters, do something with them. And... Um, but I did, I did, I did decide uh, watching the seance scene that I think a seance might be the perfect opportunity to rip a righteous fart, right? <laughs> if there's what? a if there's a perfect what? time in life <laughs> to rip a righteous fart, oh god, it's during a seance, Why? right? Why? Because I, I feel like that scene just needs to get punched up. You know what I mean? Just punch it up a little bit. Have one of the jock guys be like, yeah. <laughs> Is that what you would do during a seance? I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't. <laughs> okay. Dead mom exploitation right here. Yeah. So here we go with starting up. with a little bit fucked cheesy, up. A che- little, little cheesy, little fucked up. Little yeah. Equal and, there, parts. and there is like, don't get me wrong. This movie is cheesy. Oh, this yeah, movie is sure. super cheesy, but it's cheesy in a way that I like it. Um and yeah, it's it's a little fucked up that Terry's seeing his dead mom. We've already been told Terry, that Terry's mom is dead. Terry's mom has died as of like it was, it was last year. Maybe it was last Glenn's year. Glenn's dad said it was or last a few year. months ago or something like I think that. He said last Maybe year. Maybe last yeah. year. But and that's a good scene too, where I think it's a very real scene where um, Glenn, who is a good boy, and we've established he's yeah. a good boy, and he's kind of saying some stuff at the dinner table. You got a little. Um, a nightmare on Elm Street type yes, effect here with the, uh, the, the walls, walls that are clearly made of like some kind of like a cloth and they're pushing things through them to kind of yeah. do the same effect that yeah. they do in it's uh, nice. Nightmare on Elm Street. It is. It's, it's, nice. a, it's a great I effect. I love that effect. I've seen that effect duplicated on stage in theater and it works just as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, there's a short that, oh, does it do it or does it, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to remember what I'm talking about, so I just shouldn't talk about it. Okay. It's from an anthology, and, and at the end, it's like Haunted House is the name of the anthology, and at the end, they've oh, got a bunch know. of hands through the wall, but I don't remember if it was CG or not, so it's a stupid comment. Okay. Anyways, um, what was I talking about? I was talking about the uh, uh, Terry's mom died dead. Yeah, so so Glenn's kind Sorry. of saying some stuff at Just the went dinner table. There for a second, and and. Uh, the dad afterwards comes upstairs and it's just a very real conversation. He's just like, Glenn, what's going on? And Glenn's like, well, it's just Terry. He's saying stuff about, you know, demons or whatever it was Terry was saying. And the dad's like, look, Terry's got some problems. He's been a little strange since his mom died. This happens. And I just love... Describes him as, you know, he's going through some shit and he, you know, he's dealing with this by being... He's a little destructive. Yeah. He says some destructive things or he, he describes him as destructive which is I think is a really and I, I it's a love, really great way to describe kind of how that can manifest how and that I, the I, grieving can manifest I love that the parents are not like condemning this child and and like saying you shouldn't be playing with Terry anymore they're just accepting that that this kid from across the street who's their son's friend is kind of messed up right now yeah, and and be be aware that that's what's going on with him and you know it's really good parenting I think it, it is it's like be be as good a friend as you can while he's going through this and, but, but be aware acknowledge that, that yeah, be aware that this is what's happening um 
So anyway, so in that scene that we just saw with Terry, the first spooky stuff happens and Terry's mom oh, shows up so at the door. The dog died. And, and the dog dies. And and Glenn just looks over at, at the dog's bowls of food and water and it's really sad. The dog Angus dies. The dog Angus. Um, now this is, okay. Yeah, this is a problem and I don't understand it here. You can go ahead. You can talk about it. I, I don't really understand why they don't call mom okay so they say all right they've established that the dog is 97 which means in real human years the dog was 14 years old which is old as hell don't get me wrong but we've also got to 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 understand that if the dog was 14 years old it's not these kids dogs it's not these these kids dog it was their parents dog they were you know little they were infants out you know her his older sister who's about to turn 16 was an infant when their parents got this dog right mm-hmm. so or very young at least so you fucking call your parents and tell them that their dog died you that's what you well, do. I mean they don't feel like it's their parents dog I, but, I understand but that. yes you would call I cannot imagine not calling the I, I love, mean I love Terry I, jumping on his bed to metal music I here. guess I have seen more unbelievable things in movies there is a film called don't tell mom the babysitter's dead after all so okay well but i just because there's so much in this movie that feels so real about the interactions between the parents and the kids and the kids and the kids and and all of that it does stand out to me where i'm just like you wouldn't call your parents and tell them that the dog died oh my god if one of my pets died while my parents were gone like it wouldn't be like the next morning it would be like in the middle of the night i call my parents and i'm sobbing because our oh, pet yeah died. yeah of course so and what the fuck do i do with it i'm 15 years old what yeah. do i do with this giant oh dead my god, dog i would be that way <laughs> So, I feel like I don't know what to do. Do I just let it sit in the living room and right. rot? Like what? what I don't do I want do? to touch the dead dog. Would yeah, probably come also, out of many children's mouths. Yeah. Also, so. that it's like, yeah, I might be fifteen and feel like I'm a grown up, but what do I do with like a large dead animal? Uh huh. That's a. That, I, I think that's significant. I right. Don't know. And so them not calling the parents there is kind of strange to me. Going back to the parents leaving. Um, do you think that that this is that the whole setup is even believable to leave a 15 year old in her yeah. how old's Glenn um, I would assume he's 11 or 12 11 12, or 12. just on the verge of puberty hmm. right but yeah did I, your parents ever leave you guys I think so, you I think so when we were about that for like age? multiple days in a row yeah. yeah I think probably when we were about that age they did once or twice maybe okay. Yeah, but my parents did too. They left Connor and I alone. I remember the first time distinctly, and I must have been about the same age, maybe 16. Yeah. I was um, a latchkey kid too, so, and I was a latchkey kid from pretty early on when I was like in maybe late elementary yeah, school. Yeah, we were too. Early junior high, something like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I, I was used to being at home alone for, for stretches of time, and then, you know. Not all the time, were. but there were periods where we would, where for, you know when they both had jobs that kept them out where we would go home alone for a few hours. But yeah. mom worked at our school uh, from most of my childhood, so we'd go home with her. But but anyways, yeah, we... we um, the only thing I don't believe about all of it is I don't believe the size of the party that the girl has, that the sister it's pretty has. Bi- it's a pretty big party to throw together last minute. <laughs> to last minute, and the organizational skills of a 15, 16-year-old, it's kind of hard to believe she could organize that party. Um, I can believe that they got the cigarettes and alcohol from older siblings. And of course it was the eighties. So it must've been easier to get it too. I don't, I guess I assume. Um, 
If, but, if freaks and geeks is to be believed, sure. Um, but, uh, but for me, it's just the size of it. Like when my parents left, I, I had a couple girls come over and we drank Smirnoff or something <laughs> <laughs> like bitch beer. Right. Bitch beer. <laughs> um, but it was like the first time that, you know, I, I really had alcohol, like I'd had, you know, sips of alcohol and a sure. glass of wine at dinner or whatever, but like, like with an intention to drink and, and of course I didn't get drunk, um, because it's smart enough, but, but anyways, like it was just a couple girls, you know, it wasn't, they weren't even boys. Yeah. And, and so the enormity of the party that she has is for what's unbelievable to me is that none of the parents were suspicious enough to ask about like where the parents right. were or yeah, call yeah. somebody or whatever. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like, even if I left and we're, we're not parents yet, but, um, someday soon, probably, um, if, if, we leave our kids alone in the house. It doesn't mean we're just leaving them alone in the house and not telling anyone they're in the right, house. Right, yeah. Like, I would be calling neighbors on both sides and being like, hey, kids are going to be home alone for a few days. You don't have to go over and check on them, but if anything looks weird or suspicious, just know that they're there by themselves and use discretion when calling the police. <laughs> right. <laughs> if, if it you, sounds if, if like a party's that, going on, just go ahead and call the police. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Let them deal with it. <laughs> let them let deal with that. <laughs> the <laughs> but but yeah like and you know whenever my mom dropped me off up up through the days in which my parents were still dropping me off places um they would go inside and talk to the other parents or they would call ahead or something right like there would be some sure. form of communication of course it's like okay just making sure everything's on the up and up now i feel okay going home right yeah so so that's what's hard to believe about it um Anyways, <laughs> yeah, um, but the the whole thing about the sister and the friends, um, especially being dicks to her little brother. I mean, they mm. are hardcore. They are really assholes. Mean. They are assholes to this little kid. Oh, this was our hint: the door opening right there, and him looking out into the yard. That was our hint for this week, and nobody got it. I was I was kind of sad. No one got this. That's a couple of weeks now that no one's gotten our uh, our hint. But next week, someone already got it, so uh, we'll mention that next week. But. Um, yeah, the, the here's the rule, though, about um, friends of older siblings being dicks to your younger sibling. Mm -hmm. The rule is, I can, and I have a younger brother, so I know. You have a younger brother as well. I know. We, as older siblings, have free reign to be complete <laughs> shitheels to our younger siblings. And I'm sure Connor would agree that I was. <laughs> yes. And I'm sure that, that my brother Alex would agree that, on occasion, I probably was as well. Um, my friends can't be dicks to my younger right, brother. Yeah, that's the rule. That's the rule. And, Your and friends can't. Times, that's, that's my territory. The times in which I had friends or boyfriends, which is the worst, or potential boyfriends or whatever, who were shitty to my brother, um, even if it wasn't immediate, such bad feelings developed over time that I wound up not being able to be friends with that person anymore like or in truth, eventually just in truth, telling them off that's why we're together today is that i was nice to your brother it actually is a a, a major part it of, is a f i'm sure it's a factor yeah. yeah a major part of our early relationship um but yeah anyway so so she just lets them and the thing is is that she's letting them be mean to him right after their dog has died which i feel yeah. like is really serious for kids this age it's extra shitty 
Yeah. It's extra, it's extra shitty. I feel like she isn't, oh man, this shit fucks me up right here. Her, With the dead dog in the car yeah, and her, its eyes are open. boyfriend or pseudo boyfriend or whatever he is. And he's just driving around with this dog corpse in the passenger seat with its eyes open, looking at him while he's driving. And he's just like, well, I guess the vet's closed. We can't drop you off here. And he's talking to it. No. Yeah, it's messed up. I mean, that guy's going to grow up to kill somebody. Like something's, yeah, something's not wired right in probably. his head if he's okay with that. Um, And of course, like my whole thing when I watched this is, why don't you just dig a hole in the yard and bury the dog in the hole? Um, And eventually what he does do is just throw the dog in the hole and that's what which is what sets off sets off summoning yeah. the demons it's and the stuff. last it's the sacrifices yeah. yeah and he's talking about it right now uh, so um terry i want to call him lewis because his the actor's name is lewis trip um terry is now explaining to glenn what he has figured out from his his metal album uh from a band called sacrifix mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like that right. uh which is kind of a take on this canadian metal band called sacrifice in fact the the logo looks really really similar um but uh he says that they only had one album and they died in a in a plane crash or something like that the same year that the album came out is that right um, I have some some different notes, but you go ahead and say what you're going to say about it. First. But anyway, he's just explaining that in order to open this gate to let the demons uh, into our world, there are you know a few things that you have to do, and the final step is uh, the living sacrifice, and you have to throw the sacrifice into the hole, which becomes the dog, of course. So, but I really really like that that a metal album <laughs> is what gives them the information they need. Oh yeah. To, uh, it's fantastic to figure and out and that it's right, you know that oh, yeah. like it's correct information. Yeah, so um, for the most part, I I do think the one thing I and they don't explain this in the movie, uh, but I do like to think that the reason oh my god dead dog still I do like to think that the reason Terry is into metal is part of a coping mechanism oh yeah absolutely for, because he looks like a nerd oh yeah like he's got big doofy glasses on and he's got this short kind of you know poindextery kind of haircut like he mm-hmm. he looks like a kid that would wear a pocket protector but he just happens to be wearing like a, a denim patchy jacket and, and that's I got like kids like that the killer school. dwarfs <laughs> logo patched on the back of it and I, I don't know, I feel like you kind of like the jacket itself is patchwork. I feel like his personality is is kind of patchwork right now with this metal thing. And it's kind of part of his way of dealing with his mom. No, dying. I think that's totally true. By the way, uh, Killer Dwarfs was a heavy metal Canadian band. Yes. Um, they began touring again in 2013. Oh, my goodness. Their next date is... Uh, uh, May 20th in Bolingbrook, Illinois at the Tailgater Sports Bar and Grill. <laughs> Don't laugh. Oh, I knew you were going to laugh. <laughs> you shithead. Well, well. And then after that, they are they have another thing, I think, in Missouri. And then they're coming to Nashville. Get the fuck out of here. On June 4th for Farm Rock Nashville. <laughs> you asshole. I don't even know what that is. Farm Rock? Is that like farmers only? <laughs> I don't know. There's a Facebook page for it. You're welcome to go look at it. Oh, God. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, then. Well, Killer Doors. I've never I've never heard their music, yeah. but um, that's cool. <laughs> anyway, Sacrifix. Yeah, tell me what you know about Sacrifix. Um, 
So from the interview that I was reading with uh, the director, he was talking about he approached an artist designer friend named Mark uh, Krasinski who was a specialist with graphics and was in a band with his brother Mike and the band posed for the pictures and Mark designed the cover album the cover the album cover right um and the liner notes included some of Randy Cook's drawings Randy Cook being the uh the FX guy for the movie um then Vince Carlucci's band Station Twang provided several pieces including the heavy metal stuff they were made up of several former members of the Toronto band Cardboard Brains Paul Young the leader of the Cardboard Brains also provided several of the voices heard in the film including the ghoul dad's great uh, you've been bad scream oh yeah and you've then been bad Carl Cranes have we talked about him at all I don't think so Carl Cranes uh, is the workman guy in the movie the, the one that comes out of the wall, right. the zombie, and he also was. Oh yeah, a, also this is a zombie movie. Yeah, also it is. Yeah, it's also a couple, a couple different things. He was a friend of the director, and he he worked full time um, helping the kids rehearse and stuff. And anyways, though, so he was the one who did the spoken vocal words uh, on the song that inspires Terry to play the lyrics backwards. Oh, cool. So. Awesome. So yeah, that's what I know about Sacrifix. Well, thank you for all of that amazing information about Sacrifix, the uh, the fictitious band. I think you are more impressed with my information about the Killer Dwarfs tour dates. I, actually, I am. That that kind of that cracked me up. <laughs> Farm Rock, and Tailgater Sports Bar and Grill, Tailgater Sports Bar and Grill, featuring the Killer Dwarfs. <laughs> They've got some interesting capitalization in their name. Do they? Yeah. I didn't notice. It, I, how how is it capitalized? I I want to say all the vowels are lowercase, but then an F is also lowercase. So I don't know what the pattern is, but oh. like it's randomly upper and lowercase. Okay, cool. Um, oh yeah, the other thing I wanted to say about the guy, the teenager carrying the dead dog around, is I, I, it is kind of a, also kind of a testament to what a teenage boy will do for an ounce of puss, right? What are we talking about? <laughs> You're not listening. No, I was thinking about how I prefer that dwarves be be pluralized with a V E S instead of an F S. Oh Jesus! Okay. What were, what were you talking about? I was about talking pussy? about. I was talking. Yes, I was talking about the teenage boy carrying the dead dog around because he oh. wants to get laid. <laughs> okay. Yeah, boys are dumb. Man, you, you gotta do some dumb things for some pussy, huh? <laughs> I mean, I haven't done many dumb things. That's not true. Yeah, it is. That's true. <laughs> um, so the sister is kind of redeemed. Um, she, right. after all of that talk about us, like, why Why is she letting them, you know, treat her brother like shit? Why is she kind of treating her brother like shit? And then she goes like to, to the to beach this? and leaves him alone. And it's really, or she says she's, she's going to go to the, the beach. beach and, and leave him. And I thought that was suspicious that she was like, oh, I couldn't go to the beach because I spent all my money. And I'm like, how much does the what fucking beach cost? It's sand and <laughs> you just, water. You, you just, just go. go. <laughs> That's, that's go, it. Go to the beach. <laughs> um, it's not like there's someone at the gate, like a bouncer who's like checking IDs and taking cover charge to go walk go on to the, the sand. Beach. Yeah, no. It um, might be someday. You're joking, but <laughs> but then she she uh, she busts out this rocket and gives it to her little brother and says, "We're gonna launch this motherfucker." She doesn't say it quite like that, but um, yeah, and then she's redeemed. She was, that's what she was saying in her heart. Um, but then, of course, the the mean sisters, her friends, come back. 
this night. And this is, of course, the night where things are going to get finally crazy in the movie because you're right it finally, does take a while it does take a long time i mean we're like 45 minutes we're over halfway into this movie uh, or we're half about halfway now and shit doesn't really start happening until we're over halfway oh man we we missed people getting called fag all over oh the my place. god they throw the fag word around like crazy yeah they do and i guess that's just a product of the the 80s mm, is i guess i don't know i guess so Oh, and they also say retard. Mm -hmm. They're just throwing it around like it's 1987 or something. I know, right? Oh, wait. Hashtag 1987. Hold on, wait. Um, uh, Also, we missed some of my other favorite lines. So during the levitation scene... um, uh, the kids, she's having the party and all the kids are over and, and it turns into my kind of party where they're just sitting around telling ghost stories, um, which you rarely, know, rarely happens I, at teenage I have, parties. I have to say, I never went through like my occult phase in adolescence, probably because I didn't start watching Buffy till I was in college. That's your problem, I'm, not I'm, mine. I'm, I'm looking at you. I'm pointing at you right now. I'm pointing at you with my finger. I'm actually doing You should that have started life. watching it when you were younger. No, I'm, I'm just accusing you of getting into the occult because you watched Buffy the fucking Oh my God, vampires. no. I was Buffy was a way after I was into the occult. <laughs> that, oh. was a, not, that was not a, a cause. That was a, a symptom. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were doing that shit back in junior high. Right on. My mom gave me a pack of tarot cards that she oh, had. Oh, it's her when, fault. I'll be talking to her then. <laughs> you know, we all wanted to be witches. We loved the yeah, craft. That was that. That was the the one thing I really had to get over when we started dating. That was the cringiest thing about you. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but I loved you anyways. You can really suck it. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, what what was I talking about? Oh, there. But I love. I still love parties that have ghost storytelling. I think ghost storytelling is a fantastic pastime, and I that agree. people should do it all I, the time. I agree. We should do it like they do in England, and we should tell ghost stories at Christmas time. I mean, you're um, talking to the guy that just bought uh, a second copy of the uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark by Alvin right? Schwartz, simply so that my children someday will have a copy of their own to read that has the original illustrations in them and not the fucking dumb bullshit whatever's in them now i spread the love of ghost storytelling when we were in japan too i mean they tell their own ghost stories but i mean at the at the international school i worked at and every time we went camping every summer i would scare the shit out of those kids (laughs) then of course i would have to deal with it because they'd be up all night in the tent with me yeah these superimposed moth guys they don't look up but they make up for it later with with all the other with the forced perspectives Mm -hmm. oh my god we'll talk about it Um, Right there. But anyway, so they tell a ghost story at the party and then they start trying to do like the light as a feather, stiff as a board thing or whatever. And they are like trying to love. I don't think they even say that, but they're trying to levitate uh, people. And they, they it's tr- that. Yeah, it's, it's the, that, it's that thing. thing. Yeah. And they levitate Glenn and it works. And he goes up into it the does. ceiling and like floats across the room and grabs a lamp like a like a mm-hmm. an accent light off the wall and tears it down and falls down and cries. And what is it that Terry says? In the, he's hi- Glenn's hiding in the bathroom and Terry Terry and his sister outside and Terry's like, I think it's because he cried in front of everybody. <laughs> he's hiding <laughs> in the bathroom. <laughs> And I'm like, uh, no, it's because a demon just threw him across the room, Um, (laughs) which is a legitimate reason to cry in front of everyone. And then 
And then Glenn tells him some stories so he won't be embarrassed, and that's cute. Um, but then there was there were some lines before too that were really fantastic. Where uh, uh, when the when they're talking about levitation before they do the actual levitation, and they're talking about it, and Terry and Glenn are like in the kitchen stealing pizza. Yeah, and and Glenn looks back at Terry and he's like, "Do you believe all that stuff?" and and Terry nods and he's like, me too. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's, it's a perfect. great moment. It's perfect. It's a good moment. Yeah, for sure. Um, so shit has kind of started to hit the fan. Oh, this is the great scene where he pulls his dad's face off and he, his dad's like, you've been bad. This is good. I don't um, know why this didn't stick with me as a kid. Maybe I didn't see this as a kid, but this seems like the kind of thing that would like really fuck me up as a child. Like, oh, dad's home. Oh, shit. No, he's not. He's a demon and I'm about to pull his face off. Oh, Oh, his face like melts and pours out of his face. It's so great. That yellow shit. Uh huh. The I don't know what it was, but like the '80s horror really milked, uh, pun intended. Those cre- the creamy white gore gags. Mm, yeah. Love that shit. Oh, it's so great. Even in the sci-fi too. I mean, think of you know the Alien series and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and you know it 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 kind of makes the 45 minute buildup worth it because we've got a sequence here that's just one great gag after another. Like they just come back to back. Oh yeah. So um. Uh, so, so I loved the start to, oh yeah, what are you doing? Probably fagging off. That was another, that was another yeah, that line. Was, yeah, that was, that was part of it. Did they already see the dead dog in the bed? I think that's what started everything. Yeah, that's everything. what started it. And that's what the I was going to talk dog, about. It's dead, so oh, yeah. fucked up. Like with blood coming out of its mouth and shit. Weird, weird. Um, uh, she, the sister, the glass gets broken and it wakes Glenn up and he freaks out and he goes to get his sister and when they come back they think it's Terry in bed mm-hmm. and they start shaking him to wake him up and then Terry comes up behind him and is like what are you guys doing and then you look and it's the dead dog in the bed yeah. and and it's so messed up like it's so messed up to have dead dogs in your children's horror movie it it, it is I, I feel like, I mean like, I love it don't get oh, me I wrong do, I do too but like I think that they've gone like way beyond even poltergeist oh in, yeah and fucked up shit like, it's I, more it feels trashier it's like a yeah. trashier poltergeist it, it, is it is it because it feels like they don't know how fucked up it is yes. like the writer doesn't yeah, I know don't, how I feel fucked like up they it don't is. realize and and actually I feel pretty convinced that I'm right about that too because during the interview I was reading um he was talking about sometimes he this is a quote from the director sometimes people forget it's a pg-13 movie for kids and try to match it for gore and intensity against r-rated horror, 80s horrors classics uh 80s horror classics it's really a different animal I think it's innocence is what sets it apart I think yeah, it's I mean, innocence it's, is what sets it apart. This movie. Well, it, but it's 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 that clash. It's the clash. No, I, I get what you're saying with it's, that. It's the clash of like the innocence of kids. And here's the thing. And we keep talking about this. Some of the line readings from these kids and some, the way these kids are written dialogue wise, they talk like kids. Oh yeah, they do. The, you mentioned the scene in the kitchen where he's like, "Do you believe in all this stuff?" And he just kind of nods, and he's like, "Me too." <laughs> it's, it's kid, a kid would fucking say that. Well, the the line the about stuff the, with the dog, dog where he, that, yeah. um, 
right after the dog dies, there he's sitting out on the porch and he's talking to Terry and he's like, he was really old. He was 97. But And, but, and that was a callback to him earlier talking about how the dog was 97 years old. And like, so they say it multiple times. He says the same thing to the same guy a couple of times because he's a kid and that's how kids talk. Like, Terry's like, what do you mean 97? It's, a, it's, a it's in dog years. Right. Because this little kid knows, has probably learned Done recently what dog years are and he's done the math and he's proud of it so he's like the dog is 97 I can say that with a certainty because it's a thing that I know right and And then when the dog dies he's like he was pretty old he was 97 and they don't live much beyond that and like (laughs) just it's very real kid dialogue it is very much so I think the kids are written really really fucking Mm -hmm. well in this movie which they better fucking be when your whole movie is made up of kids so the juxtaposition between like I get what the writer's saying there it's the innocence there that I think the juxtaposition of the innocence of these kids and the way they are written against the truly disturbing fucked up shit that happened like the dog in the bed is like some godfather junior level fucked up shit like the horse head in the bed with the complete with blood and everything no i get what you're saying about the innocence i just feel like i don't know i feel like i really think part of what makes this sort of huh is that I still come away with the impression that the, that the director and the writer, and as I believe the director, uh, is he credited as co-writer because he went back and like changed things in the script and stuff? I don't think he's credited. I think I think the, the because he changed stuff. Um, he he originally the original script was by Michael Nankin. Yes, and Michael Nankin, I believe, was going to direct, but then. Uh, uh, Tibor Takox came in because he already had a relationship with the Canadian company that the producers had to partner with to get financing. And so he came in and took it over and and he made there were changes that he made to the script. Um, things that he changed were, let's see, the opening dream dream sequence the opening dream sequence instead of a brother he had Glenn had an older sister um he added all the stuff about the satanic rock all of that stuff is from Takox so I I don't remember if he's credited or not I guess you say he isn't but but I feel like both of them Nankin and Takox maybe don't I don't know I just feel like they don't realize how fucked up some of this stuff is in this movie. It's a it, well, it's a tonal clash. There's a tonal clash here, and I think the tonal clash is what defines this movie. For oh me. yeah, and that's why I love it. Like some would call it an inconsistency, where it's just like, is it a kids movie? It's the, it's a similar complaint that one might have with maybe the Hobbit films. Okay. Where you can say, okay, this feels like a children's movie. It feels like a children's adventure movie, but it has content in it that is obvious not for kids so who exactly is it for but I feel like in this case it works in the favor of the movie I do too because I feel like they're they're using that to play with themes of childhood and innocence and losing innocence and learn and having to learn to grow up and dealing with shit that adults have to deal with like specifically uh, Terry's character his mom died his mom died yeah like he's dealing with so you think they're aware of it then that they're aware of the clash (sighs) 
I don't know. I, I, I can't. I don't know. I can't say. Maybe I feel maybe like are. when the director talks about the innocence that he feels like this, whether is, or not they are, it fucking works. Oh, I, it does. I think I think it defines this movie for me. I kind of like thinking of it uh, as them not being aware because it makes it seem more. It's like I get that feeling like did they realize how taboo this is in a movie that is. I mean, it's PG-13 and I I get the impression that this was meant to be more for kids than it was for adults. And I feel that way too. And that and that that was the goal, but but the the product that came out in the end is more for adults than for kids. Yeah. Um so speaking of the script, the script was like I said earlier, the original script was a uh, way more dark and violent uh and Nankin the 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 screenwriter um, he wrote the script when he was unemployed and recently divorced, and he kind of wrote it out of anger and wanted the script to be about, and this is his quote, uh, the nastiest thoughts from his childhood, Ooh. right? So good material. originally the kids were supposed to be more mis- uh, mischievous, and uh, they were quite a bit more deserving of the fate that befalls them. Mm. Uh, for example, when Glenn and his sister Al capture the moths, they would sit and rip the wings off of them. Oh, like that is, really that is mean shit like that. Uh, the hole was also not caused by the tree crashing uh the brothers of glenn and al like you mentioned which became the older sister uh alexandra or alexandria alexandra we get our minions um well yeah we'll talk about them in a minute um they were trying to dig a hole to china which is something that nankin actually tried to do when he was young uh with a friend and he also had a friend a neighborhood friend named terry um, and then their plans of finding China, China were foiled by the gardener who fell into the hole and then sued uh, the friend's father. Uh, and then the original script also called for the demons to move beyond the house and kind of take over the whole town. Mm. And toward the end, when that cloud of evil, the twisting cloud of evil, that tornado thing, yeah. um, shoots out of the ground, the demons would then spread across the entire area. And there were supposed to be scenes of the neighbors being taken out of their homes and dragged into the street and killed by the demons. And then eventually the hole would grow larger and suck parts of the neighborhood into it. And then uh, the demon lord that we see at the end, who looks a lot more like these little minions, it was supposed to be more human-like. And and it was going to like stalk Glenn and Al around the house and, and it was going to be made out of like blood and entrails and shit. Uh, and also the the dog didn't come back at the end, <laughs> which is the ultimate in oh, yeah. darkness. That is the ultimate evil. in darkness. In darkness. Um, I think it's probably time to talk about the minions because, because we're missing scenes where you can get the joy of watching them and trying to figure out how they did it once oh, you know God. how they did it. So, so, so go ahead and talk about him the minions are mostly and only there's only a couple of exceptions to this in the movie they are mostly full-grown like human adult actors in rubber suits and the way that they do a lot of the effect shots in this movie i love the fog getting sucked into the hole the way they do a lot of the the uh the effect shots in this movie with the the you know, the kids being larger than these little minions um, and not those fucking yellow fucks from Despicable Me either. These are the original fucking minions. Get it right. Oh, Fuck yeah. those little yellow pieces of shit. You, mm, I'm sorry. Gonna... I'm sorry. Don't defend the minions. I, I just, you haven't seen any of the movies. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They're not the, the, does, the does, I've seen the first d- d- and second d- Despicable d- Me and they're not, I mean, the second one's pretty much But have shit, you seen Minions? No. Okay. But the first movie isn't that bad. Okay. It probably, it's probably not. Whatever. These are the original Minions. 
the I way still, I agree with that. The way they yeah. did the way they did a lot of these effect shots is with force perspective, which is of course a technique that was used you know a lot in the B movies of the fifties and sixties, but it never really looked quite that good. Like you know the 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 image of like the really small creature being blown up to big size or the big creature being blown, you know, shrunk down to small size for scale never quite looked right. There was always like a blur inconsistent, like inconsistency of like the camera blur, Mm. um, that really set it apart. But I think it, they look fucking great in this movie. And there are a picture you can find at least one picture online, uh, where you can see how the set was like, constructed to allow these full grown actors to be like below and farther away from the camera mm-hmm. um, than the the large actors, the, the, the children in this case, uh, while those actors were closer to the camera. But it appears as though they're not. It, yeah. It's the, well, it's the same trick that they use with Lord of the Rings, of course. Right. The, the, you know, the way Peter Jackson made the hobbits look smaller than all of the, the people that were taller than them was by actually physically placing them farther behind those actors, but then constructing the set in a way that they could align it inside the camera and make them look like they're standing right next to each other. Right. You can find those pictures online. They and, do, and it looks incredible. They when do you the look same this thing this up. movie. Yeah, it does. It's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they fucking do it. I don't know how they, like, I know how they do it, but I don't understand how they do the math <laughs> to, <laughs> to make sure that the set is built the right way so that they can line up the camera in just the right way to make everything look right. But I think it looks incredible in this movie. Yeah, it looks fantastic. And some of the other stuff that I can add to it is, uh, uh, some, the director was talking about, uh, let's see, due to budget constraints, we could only create one head mold, so we had to choose only one expression, and they ended up with a dumbfounded look on their faces. So that <laughs> so that little look that they have where their mouths are kind of sticking out, and, yeah. and they, like that's why there's <laughs> only one. drooping down a little bit. <laughs> it's adorable and fantastic. They, they're, they're pretty cute. Um, I would not mind a... Uh, a shelf minion of the minions. Oh, I, don't I don't. I don't know if you know what this means. I don't understand what this means. Another process used to great effect was to undercrank, shoot them at a lower frame rate, so they would appear to move a little more furtively. He said. Oh yeah. Well. And they had to be coached in to move in special ways in order to compensate for the frame rate. Yeah, I mean, shooting them at a, at a lower frame rate, it does cause them to... It, the reason that for so many years I thought that the little minions were stop motion mm, is because of the way they move is right because of yeah, that lower frame rate because because animation like especially stop motion animation is typically shot at like 15 frames a second mm-hmm. if they did the full 24 frames a second it would take literally twice as long as it already takes to do stop motion which is a long ass time right so it's 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 a time saving measure it's a budget budget saving measure uh, but i do i do, I don't quite understand why they would do that with live actors. Hmm. I'm not sure. Like, like you said that they did it so that it would they would move more furtively. Mm-hmm. That's what that, that's a quote from the director. Yeah, so. I can I can see how it because I can I know how it looks in the movie, and it makes me think that it made me feel for years that it was it was just stop motion. Right. But it does kind of give this impression that they move quickly or mm. uh, they bounce around a little bit faster. They've got quicker reflexes because they're small and, and agile. And maybe they didn't want them to quite look like they move just like uh, 
we move right and you know make it look a little alien a yeah, little strange yeah i can i get it but at the same time i don't know i don't know it kind of makes it look like animation then i don't think that that's a, uh, here's necessarily the work, a good thing coming out of the wall yeah so this suddenly becomes a zombie movie <laughs> and this of course is from a story that terry told glenn earlier uh in the movie told him about burying someone getting buried inside their house or I don't know if they told it earlier in the movie or if Glenn just talked about Terry telling him I think I think maybe Glenn just talked about Terry telling Telling him that story to his dad which is what caused his dad to talk about Terry having lost his mom and being a little destructive as he says Uh, let's talk about Terry a little bit has Um, the phone melted yet have we gone no no not yet I do want to talk about that Uh, the actor who plays Terry is uh, I mentioned Lewis Tripp he retired from acting at the age of 17 and changed his name to 1220 who who did Lewis Tripp the guy who plays Terry changed his name to 1220 1220 because l is the 12th letter of the alphabet and t is the 20th letter of the alphabet and then he moved to australia and changed his name again to baff which is short for baphomet of course being the the the, i don't know that there's any one creature or deity or or pagan deity known as baphomet but it's kind of a catch-all for pagan deities Baphomet. Um, and he's apparently currently a writer and a composer of uh, quote, I guess this is his quote, I assume, confrontational exper- experimental music, which occasionally resulted in the involvement of the humane society and the police. Oh, dear. So he's a Satanist, like like a like a not a Levian Satanist, but like a tra- I don't know if you'd call it traditional pagan or biblical Satanist. OK. Is that the is that the difference? Maybe. There's Levian Satanism, which is not it has nothing to do with Christianity at all. And then there's another kind of Satanism, which is more like what you think of when you think say if you're uneducated, what you think of when you think Satanism. Right. Which is like sacrificing shit and And having the humane society called on right. you for your art. <laughs> yes, yes. For your art. That's a very diplomatic way of, of putting it. Um, but speaking of Terry, he is... Oh, this shot right here. Oh, look. Oh, no. We already did have this, this on is, Melt. This is... Yeah, did this we? is This is the shot. Yeah. This is the best look one. Look at that. Like, those... They're in the same room right now. Those... Oh, God, all of those actors so are in the same room right now doing that. I mean, you, I think that might have been the last shot. It's incredible. So good. So good. I love it. Um... But, and I, so and the, I love that the workman falls and that it, it turns into a bunch of minions. That's also fantastic. So so we did we did miss the the phone melting. Yeah. Are yeah, you yeah. sure? I thought so. Oh. 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 Yeah. 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 Because the workman just burst into tiny. Oh, demons. I guess we did. All right. Yeah. Well, so we missed the phone. The phone melted. That was that was bad. That was way forever ago. It was I before they were out. At the I had hole. a note on it though. So the uh, 
The thing I liked about the phone melting was that it's it's obvious that they did the gag on a flat surface and it kind of melted out of the phone because you can see it creeping up the wall from mm-hmm. our perspective, creeping up the wall. But then in the cutaway shot, you can see that they incorporated that into the melted phone that's hanging on the wall mm-hmm. so that it wasn't inconsistent. So if you melt something on a flat surface, it's going to melt out from the flat surface. It's not gravity is right. not going to you know pull it down the wall as it would with the phone, like mm-hmm. as it should have. So they just took that fuck up and they incorporated it into the actual set, like the the, the prop phone hanging on the wall post melting, which mm-hmm. is really smart. That's filmmakers paying attention to shit that happens, you know. But anyway, that's that's my only note on that. I love that when they're trying to figure out what to do, uh, Terry's like, prayer, the Bible. Or oh, Glenn's yeah. like, prayer, the Bible. And Terry's like, these guys are older than the Bible. <laughs> are they, though? Because they use Latin l- letters, and which then- are... I mean, if they're okay, so the first message that the demons write to them on the little like, it's not an etch a sketch. What are they called? Like yeah, the magic pad like or the whatever. Ma- yeah. So they're yeah. using Latin letters, which were are like max twenty five hundred years old, mm. and the Bible is like probably. I don't know. No one really knows how old the Bible is, but like probably like three thousand years old, right? Don't don't ask me. I'm um, I haven't looked anything up recently, so I'm not gonna talk out my ass and guess a date. <laughs> well, well, the Earth is six thousand years old, right? So going off of that, according to the Bible, so right. Anyways, the Lee sisters say they went to Sunday school and, and then they find a verse in the Bible. It's just a funny little scene. Um, and if you're curious, the Bible passage that the sisters picked out was from different portions of Psalms, uh, verses 59, 1 to 59, verse 9. Chapter 59, of course. Verse, does does verses that have any, any symbolism or anything? Does it matter? I, I don't know. The Psalms are literally songs. I don't know. Did if we already anything, did we already miss Terry getting man? We're just talking. Oh yeah, the little good stuff. Rat, rat face Terry. Yeah, rat face Terry, and then the and hand. then he stabs him in the eye with a Barbie leg, which is awesome. Which is the best thing ever. It's so awesome. That's what I'm talking about. About colorful and creative and kind of weird suburbia stuff where you use things like Barbie doll legs as as weapons <laughs> to mutilate your friends with. It's just great. He does say the Bible is, or these guys are older than the Bible, which is a great fucking line. But the Bible does actually seem to do something. It does. Like when they throw it in, it does kind of blow up the hole and Uh something. Yeah. It does seem, isn't that when uh, the hole closes for a while? And of course it doesn't work. Maybe the demons were just messing with him, just pretending. And, you know, they find her friends with garlic braids around their neck. I've never seen a garlic braid in real life. Who buys that much garlic at I'm once? I'm pretty sure you have, though. I think when we were in Japan, people used to used to hang them like outside and stuff, like for mosquitoes or something. No, 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 just with like their vegetables and stuff when they were hanging things to dry. Oh, okay. I'm sure you've seen it before. Why are Maybe. you looking at me like that? I don't know. I feel like I've never actually seen a garlic braid in real life. Because <laughs> who would buy that much garlic? People who use a lot of garlic. Who uses that much but, garlic? But it's not like you have to use it super fast. You you know, like they're letting it dry out and stuff, or they're letting it, they're, uh, whatever. I don't know. I'm just talking. And even after, like, and this goes back to one of our earlier complaints, even after they think that they've closed the gate, 
They still don't call their parents, even though they're standing up in his bedroom. Everything seems to be okay. And the window's broken. Well, the phone's still melted, I would assume. Oh, okay. But they should go to the neighbors at this point. Yeah, I think so. And don't you think the neighbors would hear at this point? Maybe. Maybe unless it's like, uh, maybe it's it's like an isolated hallucination type deal. Mm. Minions. They're kind of cute, right? They are. I love the way their mouths like <laughs> poke out <laughs> and are always kind of open. Yeah. Like just always a little a bit li- open. Just a li- their little mouth breathers. Like their little puckers. That's what they are. Pucking, pucking their lips, puckering their lips. Did you see he had a robo struck? Oh my God, look at all it those is. minions. Did you see the robo struck in the closet when he was getting the the rocket out? No. Robo struck were like these old Zoids, like mecha model. I think they were model kits. I feel like I had one when I was a kid. Maybe Yay, they're dancing. Oh, and they're summoning the giant minion. Um, this big demon that's being summoned right now, as far as I can tell, it is all stop motion and looks great. Like, it's, yeah. it is great, really great stop motion uh, for a movie that did not have a huge budget. Um, but yeah, like it's when you see it just kind of standing and looking, you can see it breathing. Mm-hmm. Maybe not right there, but the breathing, I think, is really great. It's yeah. a really nice touch. Yeah, I think it looks good. But this is a really well-rounded horror movie. I think we've got demons, we've got illusions and ghosts, like the dead mom ghost mm-hmm. and uh, zombies, and we kind of finish the whole thing when he when he gets the eye in the hand. Has he already seen the eye in his hand? No, 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 it's not yet. It's after the demon touches him that he gets the eye in his hand. Oh, okay. Um... But yeah, we, and we kind of finish it all off with a little bit of body horror. Yeah. With the eye in the hand yeah. and him having to stab Body it. horror in a kid's movie, I right? Know, it's fucking That's great. That's what I'm talking it's about. Great. It's kind of kind of strange. Love it. I don't know why this movie isn't more well-loved. This, is this has less than a six on IMDb. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get why, why this isn't a movie that people... Like, I know it's kind of a cult classic horror movie, yeah. but, but not of the level that it deserves. And the other thing is, usually I mean, when we say cult a, classic, we, we're talking about movies that probably aren't very good, but you know, but we're, we love them because they're bad or whatever. But, but like, like to, to you and I, like I, I, I stand by the statement that Poltergeist is a legit masterpiece. I think right, it's a legit yeah. masterpiece. I'm not saying that this is as good as Poltergeist, but I feel like it deserves to be respected in at least a similar way. A little more. I think it needs to be taken a little bit more seriously oh God, than it's taken. Oh, it's awesome. Not just as a cult horror movie, but as a kind of good, um, just regular horror movie. Yeah. Like, because it is. So... I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know why people don't like it. Let's talk about geodes before we get too done. <laughs> you mean thunder rocks or whatever? And then thunder egg? Um, so Is thunder egg a so thing? So the whole you thing that, that started this was they found in the hole that appeared because of the treehouse falling over and the tree. Um, they He found a giant rock. And Terry comes in and Terry tells him that it's a geode, a thunder egg. Is what he says. Okay. These words are not synonymous. Geode and thunder egg are oh, not synonymous. Did they fuck up? They didn't fuck. I mean, you could probably argue that they didn't, but what a geode is, is a geode is a rock that's hollow inside, usually with crystal or growth of some sort inside. What they have is definitely a geode. It's definitely a geode. But a thunder egg 
while similar to a geode, is made within layers of a specific type of volcanic ash. And it can, they can be, they're generally about the size of a baseball, but they can be as small as an inch or over a meter wide. They can be really big. Um, if it has a hollow space inside, it may be referred to as a geode, but not all geodes are thunder eggs. You get what I'm saying? Oh, I see. Not all geodes are thunder eggs. And right. actually... All, all bourbons are whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. Often thunder eggs are filled, like the inside of them is filled up. There's not a hollow space inside of them. Think filled up about, with like chocolate? N- no. Think about, you have seen pretentious rich people before who have like slices of rock in their house, you know? <laughs> oh, as yes. decoration. That's a geo. And no, that's a thunder egg. That's a thunder egg. Oh, and it's okay. like very colorful, like waving patterns Ooh, yes, and stuff. Yes. Lots of colors. Those and, seem like they would be worth more. They maybe are because it is a specific type of volcanic ash right. that produces okay, it. So, okay. so maybe they are, but but they're very. Um, they kind of look to me like petrified, petrified uh, logs, like a slice of petrified log except would look colorful. similar, except more colorful. Right. Um, but anyways, this definitely, definitely is a geode. But like, if you look up pictures of geodes, the thing they have looks just like it. Thunder eggs generally don't look like this so but they can i guess it could be but it seems unlikely i see what i want to say okay so he's already stabbed his hand oh we didn't talk about like how the the birthday is kind of her birthday well, we mentioned been, it a little yeah, a little bit is getting tied back in he did um in his anger at his sister earlier he opened up uh her present that he was going to give her that he had already bought very well prepared little brother mm-hmm. um he had he had bought her two weeks early a uh an electronic a battery powered launch kit mm-hmm. um so that they could launch rockets together uh, for their for their shared hobby, um, so he opens it up and you know it's you know supposed to be a birthday present for her and he looks at it and disdainfully and throws it behind the bed, and uh, he just pulled out the big thunderbolt rocket that was her rocket that they were planning on launching together and never got around to it because she was being a dick and said she threw it away but she didn't actually throw it mm-hmm. away because he found it um and then he tried to light it with matches and he ran and it was the like that that's what she had hidden away for him as a present right which i don't know why she was giving him a present but just to be a nice sister i guess I get, and i don't know why she she told him that she threw it told him that she threw it away i don't know that's weird. Anyway, but yeah, so he was hiding a present for her and she was hiding a present for him and he found that. And then, you know, when he ran out of matches, because it's windy from the demon's farts, uh, he, uh, he... They're not farting. Demon's farts. He found his little battery powered thing. And I, re- I really love this moment here where he's got the launcher ready and he doesn't know what's wrong. And then he sees that it requires Battery's two not included. De- it's real. To me... And it's like... I think that it's really, it's kind of a sneaky and very uh, um, smart way of commenting on being a kid in a very little way, mm-hmm. like trying to fire the rocket, but you need batteries. You got to have batteries for your toy, right? Right. You get the, you open the toy on Christmas morning and you want to play with it, but you need fucking batteries and, for and it. The oh my battery, God. The batteries not included thing was like an 80s, 90s child, like most irritating. Batteries like, not included. Batteries not what included. the fuck? And they used to say it all the time in like every single, do they still do that? There's I a, mean, mo- we- there's a movie, an 80s movie called 
battery's not included. So. Right. Do they say it in commercials still? Do they, do they uh, still do that? Do toys still require batteries? Or do you just plug everything up to USB to your wall? Wait, does everything have a lithium ion rechargeable I mean, battery? I mean, we, no. don't, we, don't, we don't buy toys for children yet, so. No, not yet. We'll find out. We'll find out. Maybe, you, they, maybe they still use batteries. Yeah, there's. I guess there's a period in everyone's life where they don't know what it's like to buy toys for like 15 or 20 years and then all of a sudden they're buying toys again and they're experts. I mean, we buy toys, we just buy like action figures. <laughs> yeah, we buy, we buy shelf minions, of course. And shelf minions. I bought a very cool, uh, he's looking at us right now, uh, a very cool Wolfman animatronic toy that's got wonderful hair. It scares the shit out of the cats. Oh, they love it. And he came with batteries. Batteries were included because whoever sold them to the Goodwill forgot to take them, <laughs> take them the fuck out. <laughs> so, yeah, we got a little kind of poltergeisty moment here with the house glowing. Man, I love him stabbing that eye in his hand. It's so good. We're way past that. I know, but it's so good and <laughs> oh, we didn't talk it about is. it. No, we do. I, I kind of, I mentioned it. But yeah, it's it's great. It's a good, it's body horror in a kids movie, like you said, which is great. And there's um, that looks terrible. The clouds, yeah, it dissipating. Um, and that rocket that he launched into the big, big, big bad demon, um, not fireworks, not fireworks, but fireworks happened somehow anyway. Sure, they did. So I don't, don't know what that's about, but that's. That's fine. I'll just sus- suspend my disbelief, just like I'll believe that he's actually standing here and not against a green screen. <laughs> I'll believe that, right? <laughs> and then, of course, he's going to go back, and Terry's going to be alive. Oh, yeah, the, the shot of him flying out the front door <laughs> when the house is... Oh, yeah. And the demon's blowing it's up or whatever. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, he's just going to walk back in and be like, yeah, Mom and Dad... They're gonna be pissed, <laughs> right? So, so we end the movie, and and we're we're about to see Terry, and Al's gonna come back. His sister's fine. Um, the house and the dog comes back too. The house is still destroyed. Yes, the house is fucked. It has boulders inside of it. Does it? Because because in the sequel, Terry comes back to this house and it's fine. Like the house is still okay. Mm, but it's like condemned and stuff. Remember? It? Yeah, it's like gated off and there's no trespassing it is, but there's, and it's kind of But there's no giant gaping hole in the floor. I feel like it look there's not in the room that they're in. I think he's in the main room. Oh he's man, in, it does not look like this. Man, we haven't talked about We didn't talk the about the sequel, sequel at, at all. all. Gate 2 is pretty good. It is. It is pretty it's very scaled down. It's only got one minion in it, which is uh, unfortunate. Which is unfortunate, but it is a much more scaled down movie. We get to meet Terry's dad who's mm-hmm. a a pilot. Was a, a pilot. Was a pilot. Um we might want to save it for because we might want to do Gate Two if we do like a sequel month or something. But su- like, what I mainly want to say about Gate Two is that it's surprisingly it's a it's a definite sequel. It's a true sequel. Yeah. In that it takes it it's not just a rehash of this movie. It takes the events of this movie as backdrop and builds a new story on top of it for Terry, who's it's now it's a continuation like, of the story. Yeah, yeah, very much. So Terry's like maybe Al's age mm-hmm. in the sequel. He's like a teenager. Um, an older teenager, uh, and yeah, it's 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 kind of good. Like, yeah, it is. It's almost as good as this, and I think this is pretty. pretty I wouldn't good. say it's as good as this. It's almost. I as don't good know. As this. I don't know about that. It's got different goals. It does definitely have different goals, which is good. It's but, a different. But movie. it's fun though. 
But yeah, whatever. The dog's fine. Everybody's happy, except that your yeah. parents are going to kill you. Yeah, your parents are going to definitely fucking kill you. You are dead. Uh, but uh, my, my one thought about this is that, you know, even the dog, who's 97, by the way, and they don't He's live 97. much older than that. Um, I guess you can be a little bit ballsy with your your kid horror movie if you're just going to bring everyone back from the dead, even the 97-year-old dog. I guess so. Right. Sure. I guess so. Did you have any other... Uh, there was a 3D remake planned of this in 2009, which would have been directed by Alex Winter um, or uh, Bill S. Preston Esquire from Bill and Ted. Okay. He's a director. He's a legit director. Directed some Ben 10 movies and stuff. Um, and it would have apparently actually used the original filming script, the original script um, from this this version of the movie. Um, huh. And the demons gonna, were going to be designed by H.R. Giger. Oh, man. That would have been fun. Of course, it, it, we don't have that movie, so it never really came to fruition, and Giger died, and, and that's that. But... Um, mm. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I would have liked that. I would have enjoyed that. Last thoughts? Um, no, I, I think I think that doesn't. I, I really like this movie. I think it's a, it takes a while to kind of find its feet and do anything. But once it does, uh, I think it's really enjoyable. And I think it deserves it deserves more respect. I think it's kind of under underrated. Yeah, honestly. I think so, too. I yeah. think it doesn't. And, and not just as a cult horror movie, bad B movie, whatever, but like, because that's where it's always gripped. It's always just like, oh, this is a bad B movie. And I don't even know if it totally deserves that. I don't think it, I don't think it does. It's got, I don't think so. It's got good characters. It's got good themes. It's well written. It's got good dialogue. Mm -hmm. I, th I, I think that the script has pacing issues, obviously, and mm -hmm. we've talked about them and that, you know, it's not a perfect movie. It's got good effects. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what else that you would want from a movie of this ilk, you know? Yeah, I think it's categorized as a B-movie just because it is a, a, a horror movie like this. Yeah, and, and low budget. And that is very unfair. It um, is very, very unfair. Anyways, I love this movie, and you should totally see the sequel if you haven't seen the sequel. Definitely. Because it's worth the time. Um, so that's it for Popcorn Poops. Don't forget to stop by our website at popcornpoops.com. Follow us on Twitter at Popcorn Poops, or you can individually follow us. I'm at J. Casper Kramer. And I'm at Dusty Cram Cram. You can also like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher, and you can always give us money on that donut button. The donut. <laughs> Send us a donut. Appreciate it. Uh, we have a donate button on our uh, webpage that you can give us money through. Yes. Um, there's also the merchandise shop where you can buy items to show your poop pride. Yes. Tell the world you're a poopling. If you want to help out the show and get a free audiobook, then go to audibletrial.com slash popcornpoops and sign up for the free trial there. You also get to keep your audiobook for the rest of your life. That's what you get. Do it. <laughs> uh, every week we feature a poop pal, a friend of the Popcorn Poops podcast. This week's poop pal is Sad Spaceman Promotions. That's right. Sad Spaceman Promotions is a grassroots organization focused on the exposure of up and coming musicians in and around the Middle Tennessee area. Sad Spaceman offers booking, promoting, managing, and more. So visit facebook.com slash sad spaceman for more details. So, Dustin, what are we watching next Next month? We've got a new month. Oh, actually, we've got one. We, oh, do we have one more we from this one? We have one more. That's right. Oh, uh, yeah. It's still April. It's still, it's still April. We've got one more movie in, 19, in hashtag 1987 month, and we're going to finish the whole thing up. We're going to wrap it up, put a nice little bow on it with uh, none other than Paul Verhoeven's 1987 film, RoboCop. 
fantastic. Are you excited about that? Yeah, sure. What? I mean, I was uh, clearly, I was ready to be done with it with the gate, so. I, I guess you were, you were trying to end this thing. Okay. I'm, I'm going to make, I'm going to make you a lover of Robocop before this week is out and you pooplings will get to see, uh, the, the, the product of, of all of my hard work next week on the podcast. So that's it for this week. So until next time, take care. Bye-bye. We are the popcorn people.